As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Right, I'm recording. Bonjour. Vous allez là-bas, là-bas, on vous dérange pas. Là-bas. Si I have aller, to. Oui, oui, on vous dérange pas là-bas. Ok. Mais je dois te recorder un podcast. Hein? Euh, je dois euh, recorder. Euh, ah, ok. Si euh, j'étais. Réunion? Réunion? Ouais. Ah, ok. Um, okay. So I, I need. Uh, je dois une place. Euh, Ici? Ici, ok? Oui, ok, ok. Merci beaucoup. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne. Welcome to Pod on the Tyne. The nights are drawn in and the temperatures have plummeted, but Newcastle United turned up the heat on Chelsea on Saturday. I'm joined by a very Parisian Jacob Whitehead and an always sunny Christopher Woff. Uh, you managing all right in the cold, Chris? How are you getting on? Oh, me, my, these, these aching bones, yeah, they, they struggled over the weekend a little bit. I, I'll be honest, second half, although I don't have the sort of heated garments that George Colkin has, I did in the second half put on some fingerless gloves because it, it, the temperature did drop during that second half. It absolutely did. Has the, have the pyjamas changed yet? Have you gone into winter pyjama territory like the full sort of long johns with a with a shit flap on the back? That's what I imagine you wearing. You see, you're prompting me to to talk about things that other people aren't going to want to listen about. I actually just go, I actually just go boxers all year round. You see, my body, my body struggles to to regulate temperature, so Excellent. it's always. I was thinking about this on my dog walk. Don't ask me why. Um, wondering what about what I wear for bed. What, well, what pajamas would each pod on the tiner have? <laughs> I had you with full long johns with a shed flap in the back. George with like silk robes, with like one of those hats with a bobble on it, and you know, like a lantern. Jacob, obviously, Spider Man pajamas. <laughs> Ollie in very functional Marks and Spencer's numbers, and I just wear the Batman suit. You know what I mean? Uh, Jacob Whitehead's here as well. Jacob, you're in uh, in a, what sounds like a school canteen. Are you all right? Yeah, I am soaking up the Parisian atmosphere, but it's not so much baguettes, coffee shops. Uh, I am in the lobby of my hotel, 
uh, having been promised a nice quiet recording space, I'm afraid we may have some interruptions from the Hoover. I've done my best negotiations with GCSE level French to try and locate this quiet corner. Um, so we'll see how that goes as the podcast unfolds, but uh, lovely to be here. Have they asked you to wait in the lobby? Are they like, worried that it's like a child who's travelled without his parents or something? Or accompanied sign around yeah. his neck. <laughs> well, it, did, it took me a while to get through passport control because I had to meet my chaperone. <laughs> Have you got one of them suitcases that you ride on? You know the ones that you sit on, your mum pulls you along? Well, yeah, but it's quite hard to pull yourself, so Careful. I just have to go up to random strangers and Careful. ask them to do it. <laughs> Don't be doing that around the streets of Paris. Right, um, let's crack on. A few nerves flying around before the Chelsea game, not helped by the absence of Sean Longstaff uh, and Joe Willock from the matchday squad. Newcastle's bench, described by one punter as three keepers, four academy graduates and two grown-ups. Uh, Chris, <laughs> it was pretty desperate, wasn't it, when that team sheet come out? We thought, oh my God, what's happening here? It was. I mean, that was quite the sort of deflating looking bit, particularly when you looked at Chelsea's bench and the sort of value that they had on it I think when they brought on in the second half it was Breuer who was an academy graduate but you had Mudrick and Caicedo who cost a combined £162 million initially and they came on during the second half whereas Newcastle as you say three debutants ended up coming on from the other 21s great moments for them but really not quite considered ready to be in that moment they're there out of necessity more than anything else three goalkeepers which I emailed Opta who provides stats to try and find out whether this is a Premier League record they couldn't confirm that but four goalkeepers in a match day squad I mean we've only had nine substitutes in the Premier League for two or three seasons I think we can safely say it must equal a record if it doesn't actually set a record for that so Longstaff his absence had been a little bit expected with with his ankle injury he's going to be a significant doubt for PSG as well but Joe Willock was the huge blow I mean Joe Willock only broke down on Friday as well so for once Eddie Howe didn't even come into his press conference and basically lie that there wasn't anyone else who was who was absent he wouldn't confirm whether Alexander Isak was going to be involved but Willock happened afterwards and I mean I'd spoken to people in and around Newcastle during the, the international break for a piece looking at the situation at the moment and, and going forward and already they were basically saying they're almost counting up the numbers there was five sort of senior players who you class as out and out senior players training during the international break for the the entirety of the international break they feared things may get worse before they get better on the injury front and that was a significant blow before kickoff certainly when Willock do we know what the Willock injury is is it a reoccurrence or is it something new it's a reoccurrence of his Achilles problem. So initially he was out with a hamstring problem for the end of last season. Then he suffered an Achilles problem. And this is a recurrence of that. Now, Howe said he's going to see a specialist at the moment, in the, today or tomorrow, I think. So they don't know the full extent of it, but it didn't sound great. It certainly doesn't sound like it's going to be a game or two. I think you're talking a matter of weeks is probably best case scenario there. And given the impact he's had since he's come back, that sort of running power you've seen, that, that did feel like a significant blow. Absolutely not what we need at the minute, is it? Uh, still Newcastle, needn't have worried uh, we've got Alexander Izak back and Lewis Miley as well not an easy chance uh, for Izak sorted his feet out and tucked it away nicely but that passed through from Lewis Miley Jacob what a ball that was and composure from the young man that's it it's not necessarily the pass itself it's everything which comes around it it's the kind of almost fake shot which just holds the run of the covering defender enough to keep the channel open it's the weight of it which is actually perfect but I think it's also just confidence to play it. I mean, we're in the first 10 minutes of a match here and he's just received it quickly on his back foot to sort out his feet and then just instantly make the decision, receive, bang, yeah. play it in, uh, so composed. And yeah, like, Isaac did well just to lift it over to keep a simple finish, but the one, you know, you want him to, want him to take. I don't know if this sort of came across on people watching it as well, but 
the the weird thing about the game itself was Chelsea are just chaotic. Oh, and the, yeah. every, the, there's so much around the game which was chaotic. Yeah. And like that, their defending, if you watch that, was pretty chaotic. I mean, Trippier manages to float the ball in from the right. Gordon gets it on the left-hand side of the box, turns away. Cole Palmer doesn't really bother following him, so he, he puts it centrally. Joe Litton flicks the ball back to him. And four Chelsea players are running towards Miley, who's on the edge of the D. But he, as Jacob says, he takes that touch calmly, and has the wherewithal to, to first of all spot the pass, which I think a lot of senior players, never mind 17 year olds, would necessarily have spotted. So to have the vision. There's lots of players would have had a shot there. Exactly. Loads. Or put it to Almron, who was on the right, and that wouldn't necessarily yeah. have been a terrible ball because he was in a bit of space. And that's what holds Kukurea, which is why Isak is, is then on side when the ball is played through. And I mean, Isak is almost surprised that the pass comes to him. You can see he, he, he sorts his feet out very well. But for a 17 year old in that, in that environment, it was. Eddie Howe said that that just sums up everything about Lewis Miley. That, that it's his football brain that they really like and that he's head and shoulders above everyone else's level I mean if you watch anyone who watched the under 21s regularly last year would tell you that Lewis Miley looked out of place because he was far too good for that level by that stage when he was 16 he's now a fully fledged member of the senior squad I asked how about this on Friday and he said we made that decision in the summer we were initially looking for two, they were essentially initially looking for two central midfielders assigned to Nali but Miley basically convinced him of mm, we can maybe prioritise other areas because Miley we think is going to be ready and he's had glandular fever he's actually still not 100% shaken off all the after effects of that and yeah he's coming to the side places number six at Bournemouth one of the few positives there Plays as a number eight, and yes, that was that was the the typical that typified his display really. And then you, you mentioned Isak, been out for a month, but picks off a thirteen minutes in where he left off five goals and five Premier League matches. He just can't stop scoring. Brilliant, yeah, Lewis Miley definitely playing uh, football beyond his years, Chris, isn't he? And he's now the youngest ever assist provider for Newcastle United in the Premier League. That's some uh, some notch for his bedpost, that one, isn't it? Yeah, and I think he's the sixth youngest Premier League player ever to assist a goal. He's the, he's the, the first since, I think it's 2015, uh, for I think it was Jonathan Lecco at West, at West Brom. And yeah, it's the fact that he hasn't just come into the team and, and is just there. He, he actually had that huge impact. And it was an important goal, an important one, because as I was, as I was mentioning about Chelsea... We saw this after Chelsea equalised as well, that really Newcastle in some ways got dragged into their chaos, particularly in midfield. It just felt like there were bodies everywhere, no real control, certainly from Chelsea, but Newcastle were trying to sort of control that. And as soon as Newcastle scored, it settled any nerves that you mentioned before. And until Chelsea equalised, it was basically all Newcastle. And it was almost like the Alamo. It was weird, that shift. It was like Chelsea suddenly, every time Newcastle attacked, Chelsea panicked and looked like they might score again. And that all came from that pass and that cool head and that 13th minute, which put Newcastle ahead. Yeah, Chelsea were dangerous going forward, Jacob, weren't they? Uh, Kieran Trippier pulls down Raheem Sterling, who then pops the free kick over the wall to make it 1-1. But Chelsea are so, were so porous at the back. The, the, the ball was going through numerous times there was chances all over the place and like Chris said before it was just chaos back there wasn't it yeah glorious free kick from Sterling I think a knuckleball is probably the most aesthetically pleasing does it knuckle um, does it I think it's I a knuckleball yeah dips. it went up and down no, knuckleball yeah but he came at it straight away no is it not I'll ask my 12 year old son he knows more about these things than I do to be honest Chris Verdict. I, 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 I think I think it was a, a, a knuckleball sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think it was a full-on one, but it was certainly that sort of technique. Luckily, we're in different countries, so we can't have a fist fight over this. But uh, <laughs> but yes, I mean on I mean returning to matters which you can definitely agree on. Yes, Chelsea at the back, as Chris said earlier, is a bit crazy. I mean, Reese James is such a good player, but yet just seemed constantly caught out of position. Thiago Silva. 
um, hugely so classy. And I mean, there's that moment where he was under pressure from Anthony Gordon in the corner. Brilliant. And uh, it almost looked, I wasn't quite sure what he was trying to do. If he was trying to step over. I thought he was trying to do a like, a, of like skill. a scoop turn where he was kind of turning away yeah. from him. But he just fell on but his ass. But to ass. fall over it. And then it, it was the way also that Gordon then just sort of stared him down. Like when a boxer puts someone down on the canvas and they just give it a couple of yeah. seconds just, just to look. Um, and I mean, then we're going out of order slightly here, but um, Thiago Silva then, I mean, is all compounded by his error for, for Gillenton's goal, that lack of confidence, which Newcastle's front three had almost forced by relentlessly, relentlessly putting him under pressure throughout the game and the mistake came. Yeah, we'll get to that moment in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Jamal Lascelles, Chris, he got the freedom of the goal again, didn't he, uh, to head the ball in for the second one. Another great story. And he, he he was a little bit at fault, wasn't he, for the first goal, the Chelsea goal. He came bustling forward and lost the ball and wasn't able to get back. Yeah, and I mean, basically, the, the sort of way that Chelsea were trying to play it was almost trying to catch Newcastle in those sorts of situations on transition in the middle. And, and Lascelles was caught out in that stage. It actually looked like Lascelles may have been injured in the first half, but it turned out subsequently that what had happened was one of his studs had snapped and they'd given him replacement boots, one of which was a size 9 and one of which was a size 11. Don't really understand why he didn't have any spare boots. That that part wasn't sort of clarified. But so he's running around the pitch and he basically said, he said afterward, he admitted that I I wasn't having a very good game in the first half. Um, And yeah, he he was sort of at fault. Trippier ends up coming across and and, and fouling Sterling for the free kick, which leads to the goal. Some people said it was a bit soft. Sterling almost seemed to get caught in two minds as if I don't quite have the pace to go forward here I don't want to pass to Nicholas Jackson because he's not very good in front of goal and so just seemed to, to, to panic at the two and Trippier came across um, I mean just on the goal what, I saw Nick Pope come under a bit of criticism for, for the free kick what, what what are your two thoughts because it's a very very good free kick but obviously it's not really in the top corner he doesn't really move but I mean I'm not saying he should save it but it just seemed a bit odd that he just didn't really move he seemed surprised by it I think he thinks it's well over the bar and it just dips too quick and I just don't think he reacts at all I was surprised to see that he didn't make any kind of move towards it, but I think he thinks it's well over the bar. I don't know what you think, Jacob. I suppose when it's that when it's that close in, it's just kind of what less than twenty-five yeah. yards. You are relying on your wall to completely block off that half of the goal, and you just cover. You almost cheat slightly to the side which you're on to just cover, kind of being whipped quickly into the corner. So I I think he can be let off that one. But the knuckle on it really took out his reach. That's fair. I mean, just on, but, but picking up on the cells and the and the sort of the goal and the 
in the second half. I mean, you mentioned in in the piece that I wrote after the game. I sort of I focused on on Miley and Lascelles, and it's almost like the two players who, despite Newcastle's injury crisis, they're two players who've sort of come in, and it's like the captain reborn and the sort of player of the future have come in. They're the two beneficiaries of it, and they're the two positive news stories. Because I mean, Lascelles has has played eleven of the last start eleven of the last twelve matches, six of which Newcastle have won. Um, and he's come in and he, he has looked vastly improved. There were so many questions about what role he could have in this team going forward. Was he an Eddie Howe player? There's still questions about his long-term future. His contract's up next summer. He could have left in the summer just gone. He had sort of interest in elsewhere in England, lower half Premier League Championship and also in Turkey. He didn't. He stayed. And you can see he's trying to adapt to the way that Eddie Howe plays and he certainly does look much improved. And yeah, he met the wonderful Anthony Gordon cross that it, that it was uh, whipped in, in the second half. And again, Chelsea just, just gave him the freedom of, of the penalty area. And then Lascelles scored. <laughs> and I saw a tweet from someone, I can't remember who it was, just saying, there's something about Jamal Lascelles that every time he scores, he just looks so angry. <laughs> and he yeah. does. It's like Isak comes across and almost like screams at him as if to say it's brilliant. But maybe that was Lascelles sort of giving off that I, I, had to, I had to deliver that. I had to deliver a big moment. And it was a big moment because then the momentum completely shifted. I have a picture of me and Jamal Lascelles together before for a Newcastle game where I, I was at uh, St. James's Park and, and I got a photo with him and he looks fucking furious, Chris. Absolutely furious. I would be as well, to be fair. So there with so there were you. It's like, what, he's probably thinking, what a waste of time. Fair this enough. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Can't really argue with that. I was also quite pleased uh, <laughs> to see that it was a set-piece goal because I was worried that after I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago that the set-piece curse... Uh, but, you know, since I started thinking about it, they hadn't scored one since Sheffield United game. They'd conceded two. Does that go down as a set piece goal? That one? Absolutely, Taylor. Don't you even? I thought <laughs> about this. A few this. passes they before take... that ball goes in the box, uh, Jacob. Oh well, sorry for a lab. Sorry for being elaborate. <laughs> I didn't realise we'd just like lump it up to the back post. It's completely designed. It's deliberate. They play two quick passes laterally across to get it to that left wing and retain all the centre-backs up there for the ball while Chelsea try and push out and they exploit that. It I is absolutely know. a set-piece. Every I'm, pass that went exactly play. as they wanted it to. I think that's open play, Chris. You would, but you'd be wrong, just like the knuckle ball. <laughs> I've got some at 4.45 this morning. I'm not in the mood to suffer fools gladly. Quite, chip, quite chippy today, aren't you? Quite chippy. Uh, chippy, but not chipper. No, definitely not chipper. Um, yeah, Anthony Gordon, um, Chris, you mentioned him before. He had a great game, didn't he? An assist, a goal, rounded off the scoring uh, shortly after he was fouled by Rhys James. Stupid, stupid book in the first one for him. And the second one, it's as clear a yellow as you're going to see. Uh, he saw red for that and then he sat down a little earlier than planned, didn't he? He did. I mean, this intro, you mentioned the sort of sitting down. So that's referencing for anyone who didn't necessarily know that in the first half, um, there was an issue with Joe Linton, who did have a bit of a stray arm, which came across and caught uh, a Chelsea player. who I've forgotten exactly who it was. But anyway, Rhys James and, and Jason Tindall on the touchline were having a bit of an exchange. And Rhys James appeared to repeatedly tell him to sit down. And now, as certain people within Newcastle United said to me afterwards, it wasn't Jason Tindall who sat down first it was Reese James who ended up sitting down first so that they uh, I think they I think they enjoyed the fact that yes he, he was dismissed of that but but Gordon yes I think at Bournemouth there was people in after that there was people sort of within Newcastle who thought that really he was mentally fatigued as much as anything else Anthony Gordon you've got to remember that he basically didn't have a summer off 
he's been going non-stop. He's been the one who's dragged Newcastle through a lot of matches. And at Bournemouth, he, he sort of looked, didn't look himself, wasn't quite as active, just wasn't really there. And this international break has, has served him really well. He's one of those five senior players who was on Tyneside, didn't get the call up to the England squad, which I'm sure would have been disappointed with, but it gave him a bit of a refresh. And he looked back to his very best, back on the left f- from the start, which is where you really want to see him. He's been covering in as ne- when necessary through the middle and did score there later on, but equally he's, he's more effective on the on the on the flanks. Played a role in the first goal, gets the assist for the for the second goal, and with the second goal, which Howe said was a massive moment in our season, and I agree with him because I'd said last week that I thought this Chelsea game was huge in terms of the momentum it could build for what is a very difficult period with the squad in the situation that they're in, and obviously the two becomes three within a minute. Jacob referenced it earlier, the mistake Thiago Silva makes. That all comes from Joe Linton barreling around and following about four different passes before he gets to Thiago Silva, who panics yes. and gives a ball back. And from 3-1 onwards, it only looked like one team who was going to score and keep scoring. Obviously, Gordon takes his goal later on very, very well. But it's also an absolutely excellent ball through from Miguel Almiron. A little round-the-corner sort of left-footed pass. And I actually think... And uh, I, I'll see the rise smirk on your face at the moment, Taylor, but I actually think that we are seeing the very best of Miguel Almiron now. I know he's not scoring as often, but I think that he is really contributing in so many ways now. And you can see Newcastle are much improved when he's in the hey, side. I'll tell you what, mate. I, I like him playing on the left-hand side as well. I don't know about you, but he's played there a couple of times this season and he's done really well. I mean, that ball with the outside of his foot for Gordon is beautiful, but he's that lad is is playing some really good football. And I think... There's some quarters who don't give him the credit he deserves. I think he's a very good footballer. You know, he's not a world beater. He's not a um, a glamour player or anything like that. But the amount of work he does and the, and the actual nitty-gritty stuff that he does for the team is really impressive, I think. It was also just nice on that golden goal to, to see him cutting him from the left and shooting on his right. As I think Chris has spoken about before, it's something he worked on with Jason Tindall. Uh, it's been a calling card of his going back to his academy days at Everton, which he then had to almost put away for a couple of years because he couldn't quite adjust to that particular skill at Premier League level. And it's nice to see now, I think, two or three goals this season already has come from that movement. And uh, it's it's such a dangerous weapon. Absolutely. Chris, uh, Mia Dad Gadusi and Jamie Rubin, they ruffled a few feathers, didn't they, after the game with a, a little Twitter exchange about the atmosphere. Um, a bit of an unnecessary thing to say, really, isn't it, when you've just won 4-1? It was rather odd timing, particularly given that then uh, Amanda Staveley in her Instagram post said something about the atmosphere being amazing. And I I wouldn't say that I necessarily noticed that it was a particularly, that it was a poor atmosphere. I mean, there were times where I thought, I think it felt nervy. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was rather odd timing. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion on what it's like, and everyone's entitled to put that on X or wherever you want to to share it. And so, I think that's fair enough if you want to create a debate. But um, I mean, I listened to the the True Faith podcast over the weekend, and they, and they discussed this, and I thought they made some interesting and, and valid points. That it's fair enough if if maybe Zmiadad Gadusi feels this way, but it you don't just generate an atmosphere by saying we need to generate an atmosphere and it's about how do you actually approach that do you bring in a singing section do you move things around a little bit do you turn down the ridiculously loud music 10 minutes before the game where nobody can actually hear each other think yeah. or speak to the person sat next to you there's all these different things that you can come with. as I say it just felt weird timing and it's opened up a debate which I'm sure will continue going forward and as I said a fair enough on their opinion I just thought after a 4-1 win which felt crucial and given everything else that's going around the club at the moment with injuries and the like and the fact that Newcastle go to PSG tomorrow night I just thought it was a, a bit of an odd timing It's a strange one isn't it Jacob because 
you know, we've been away to these Champions League grounds in Dortmund and Milan and we've heard the crowds there. Maybe me, Dad and Jamie have been to those matches and thought, why can't we have a bit of this at St. James's Park? Um, you know, I, I kind of understand that they want the ground as loud and as noisy as it can be. But those situations and those teams that we went to visit, it's a different situation altogether, isn't it? Culturally, uh, historically, all of that sort of stuff. Newcastle United St. James's Park is not the same as the San Siro in Milan. Yeah, it's a false equivalence. I mean, for example, Dortmund, you've got the yellow wall, which is, what, 30,000 odds? I mean, it's just artificially going to be more. And then also, I mean, it's the fact that, of course, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely massive there because it's a Champions League game at home. Like, it's always going to be one of the sort of five, six, seven noisiest matches of the season. So then to compare it to kind of an ordinary Premier League fixture, yes, it's Chelsea, but Chelsea are mid-table. You know, it's what not one of them, an important game, but not one of the most important games of the season. You can't really draw them together like that. Um, and yes, like Chris said, it's the timing, which is quite odd. I mean, there was lots of complaints after the Dortmund game at home because that one was quite flat. But then, it, I mean, from, from chatting to, from chatting to people who were there, it doesn't sound like this was notably quiet at all. I'm sure the uh, the debate over that will rage on social media for the next four or five weeks. Uh, so Chris's Chelsea uh, report is on The Athletic now, plus plenty more, including coverage of the Premier League's recent shareholders meeting, uh, Jacob and Liam Tharm, uh, on the addictive personalities of professional footballers, and a write-up on Lewis Hall, who we'll probably be talking about a little later. Uh, subscribe now via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to pay just one ninety nine. that's pounds, dollars or euros, a month for your first 12 months. Right then, chaps, on to uh, the women's team. Another triumph for Becky Langley's NUFCW, who beat Chorley 4 0 in the FA Cup. They're now 26 games unbeaten since defeated Kingston Park against Wolves last December. Uh, that was the third round of the FA Cup, and we'll go into the same stage again. By the time this podcast reaches your ears, the draw will have taken place live on Instagram. Uh, so good luck to the lasses for that. Right, we'll be back in just a moment to talk about that PSG game and the Premier League shareholders meeting. Back in a tick. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we made a brief reference to the Premier League's recent shareholders meeting, but that was all anyone was talking about for 24 hours. So we should probably catch up on what exactly happened, Chris. Yes, well, we did discuss it a little bit on the previous podcast that this was a vote on whether associated clubs, as they are referred to, could 
basically whether there'd be a temporary ban on loan deals between them, and this was relevant to Newcastle United. It's always relevant to Newcastle United, isn't it? Well, exactly. As much as, <laughs> as much as other Premier League clubs tried to argue that it wasn't focused on Newcastle United, the urgency of it certainly seemed like it was, and Newca- people in Newcastle certainly felt that way. But basically, Newcastle are majority owned by PIF. PIF also now have stakes in four Saudi Pro League clubs. And Ruben Neves is the player who obviously was repeatedly linked, although my information is within Newcastle. They haven't discussed him as a, as a target this year, even if they do have liked him long term. And the vote was close. I, I'd said on the, the podcast previously, I'd heard it was going to be close and it went 12-8 uh, that, that voted in favour of it but in the Premier League you need 14 votes for something to pass and so it didn't go through so in theory Newcastle are still able to sign players on loan from the Saudi Pro League in January and I was at Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday where I was asked repeatedly about this and although he didn't fully bite he did basically suggest that he was very frustrated that all of the narrative around it had been surrounding Newcastle United he said this affects everyone the same he said anyone else can sign players from this he didn't say specifically the Saudi Pro League but he was basically saying everyone else else can do deals with them why shouldn't we be able to and also I know there's a general irritation inside the club that something they weren't necessarily going to do anyway that there was this rush to to force it through as there was post takeover with related party transactions and sort of deals with with associated companies in in that respect ones owned by PAF so yes this was a big talking point it certainly split the Premier League and Jacob was actually at the hotel in London where it was taking place weren't you Jacob? Yep, so I was there with my newspaper with the eye holes cut in it <laughs> to uh, spy on what was going on. Uh, nicely, I mean, I got there earlier than Amanda Staveley, who rushed through at 10.29 for the 10.30 meeting. But Darren Eels was there working the room beforehand, very popular man in uh, these sorts of circles. And usually these meetings are kind of done in two or three hours. This one was an absolute marathon. I sat in this lobby opposite a bust of Sir Winston Churchill for about six hours until 4pm when we all traipsed out and you could kind of see a little bit of a rancor because I mean this was quite an emotive topic because I mean to an extent to challenge some of what Hal was saying it it does affect Newcastle differently this I mean like PIF own four clubs in the Saudi Pro League there is an element of uh, it's not even the element of but it's the potential for it to be crossed wires there the potential to work together and that's why some people were so emotive about it and it also kind of splits down the whole multi-club versus non-multi-club uh, splits. And you've kind of now got these kind of two different sects in the Premier League. You've got one which is kind of the top six, seven versus everyone else. And you've got the multi-club ownership group teams versus the ones who aren't involved in that. And so it leads to just all of this division and drama. And we say more than ever that football's being played in the boardrooms and, well, with Everton in the courtrooms. And... Yeah, I mean, just last week was an absolute classic example of it. Yes, it's all a little bit messy, isn't it? Uh, right, let's uh, let's move on. We've got this little last bit to do before we finish up. Uh, final game of the month. It's a small matter, Chris, of a must-win Champions League game against Paris Saint-Germain. It doesn't get any bigger than this, does it? It doesn't. I mean, Newcastle need a minimum of four points from the final two group games to have a chance of going through but really they could do with winning them both because they've lost back-to-back against Borussia Dortmund and the Champions League group doesn't work with goal difference it goes by head-to-head basically they have to secure a greater number of points than Borussia Dortmund to, to otherwise they, they would finish behind them and Newcastle hammered PSG at St James's Park 4-1 that famous night which none of us will ever forget who who witnessed it, whether they were there or watched it on TV. They've shown they can do it against uh, PSG, but it's how both sides react A to that. Have PSG learned from that? Luis Enrique was asked after they beat Milan the following match week 
about their performance then. And he said, has everyone else forgotten about Newcastle? I haven't forgotten about Newcastle. So it's, it's on his mind whether he can get that through to his players as well. It'll be interesting to see because they couldn't deal with Newcastle's intensity. But obviously, this is a very stretched Newcastle side. We've seen that they are managing to outperform the situation that they're in for, for the for large part. They fell off a cliff just before the international break, but they've come back strong against Chelsea. They've got much needed momentum there. But can they go to Paris and follow up the Chelsea win? Can Alexander Isak start two games in four days? That, that or three days, sorry. That's a big yeah. question mark as well. The squad will be stretched, but it, it, it's going to be a huge, huge night, yeah. It's a massive occasion, Jacob, isn't it? You are our man in Paris for this one as well. How is it over there? How is the atmosphere? Is there much of, I know you've literally just arrived and got off the train, but how is it feeling? Yeah, it's quite tough. I mean, I got off the Garden Nord at 20 past 10 and when I was in the hotel 20 minutes later, I saw one Newcastle shirt. It was sort of a 90s replica of that red and blue hooped away nice. kit. Lovely kit, yeah. In the Eurostar. Apart from that, I mean, my plan after recording is to head up to Montmartre to see if anyone is there overlooking the city getting ready. Uh, and then I'm sure I'll, I'll post an update for everyone soon. It's Eddie Howe speaking later this evening, which I will be at as well. Unlike the previous two Champions League away games, Newcastle have actually are training at the stadium this evening. Right. So that that's Monday evening as 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 we, as we record. They didn't do that in Milan. They didn't do that in Dortmund. But they have changed. Unsure exactly why. But whether that's to try and acclimatise, whether that's because they've noticed mistakes. Because if you think about both away games, Newcastle have started very slowly and then haven't been able to... That Milan, they held on and managed to get the draw. Dortmund, they, they, they only started playing once they fell behind. So whether it's something to do with that, it's interesting to see. But yeah, Newcastle are actually going to train at the Parc des Princes. Uh, and Lewis Hall's available again, isn't he, Chris, after being uh, unable to play against his parent club? Uh, and hopefully, Emil Kraft will be feeling a little bit better after his illness as well. Yes, well, Emil Kraft may be feeling better, but unfortunately can't play because oh, he's, he's not in the Champions League, League squad. squad so it's a different, it's a different yeah. squad so Kraft won't be there Matt Ritchie who was one of the senior or whatever it is adults that you said was on the bench over, over the weekend grown ups. He, he, grown ups he is also <laughs> unable to, to be in the squad Lewis Hall is available again after being ineligible to play against his, his parent club be interesting to see if he starts because obviously Tino Livramento started at left back against Chelsea looked very good Did. I thought defensively yeah. didn't really offer too much going forward but it's almost that when you've got Kieran Trippier right back the left back doesn't go forward as, as often and I think that's where the balance with Trippier and Hall hasn't necessarily been there yet because Hall wants to get forward but um, Newcastle still convinced that Lewis Hall is, is the right long-term option they've signed him with this loan with obligation to buy he's starting to see a greater number of minutes has obviously been hooked three times at half time but for various different reasons but I, you'd be surprised if he wasn't at least involved in some way in Paris because it's going to be pretty much a very similar start 11 there's going to be no Joe Willock back Sean Longstaff's unlikely to be back so I think the three will probably continue in midfield who played ever so well I mean Bruno Gamarayas come back in the team we didn't mention him earlier but he just oozes class in there and I think that really helped Lewis Miley as well having Bruno Gamarayas inside of him the one of the number six who could take the ball and, and Newcastle tick more when he's there so I think that it's going to be a very similar 11 to the one we saw on Saturday but whether Alexander Isak can start or whether Gordon plays through the middle and then Isak comes on will be interesting to see Well and PSG have their own issues as well don't they Jacob Zaire Emery not available and he was probably their best player at St James's Park Yeah Zaire Emery he set up the goal uh, in return fixture sort of crossed it in looped in and Fernandez just kind of flicks it in but I mean he's so under talked to us I think as a player I mean 17 years old starting midfield every week for one of the best teams in Europe I mean it's as if kind of Lewis Miley was starting for Man City every week in midfield now. Yeah. Um, so obviously he's a big player, big loss for them. And you saw, 
I guess the big talk seems to be is uh, Luis Enrique going to carry on with his extremely bold 4-2-4 formation <laughs> of not playing anyone in midfield. Yeah. And especially now there's no Zaire Emery. You're effectively left with Agate covering loads and loads of space. So, uh, yeah, stick or twist. I mean, he's, he's kind of a manager who likes to play his way of a highway, so it wouldn't surprise me. I'd like to suggest that he does. Please, please do that. Go for it. Just yeah. Four. Well, Jacob and I disagreed on this after the the first match, but I thought Ugarte was awful. I accepted Jacob's point that he had no support in midfield, but he was awful. So if he could continue that sort of form, that would very much benefit Newcastle in this match. And obviously, I think Kylian Mbappe, who we haven't mentioned that much, will have a lot to try and yeah. prove in this one. PSG played on Friday night won convincingly and uh, Mbappe was on the score sheet again so yeah I think it's it's important that the the try it's going to be a difficult night for whether it's Livermento or or uh, Trippier whoever is playing at right back is going to need support from Miguel Almiron and uh, Lewis Miley if it is him on the, on the right side of number eight I think it's fair to say PSG will be looking for revenge won't they uh, right then, we're just about to finish things off. Uh, I've got one little email to read out here before we do that. This is from Simon Story. Uh, Simon says, big fan of the show. I've spent five wonderful years married to my amazing wife, and during this time, I've slowly worked on her becoming a die-hard mag. Uh, she now has all her own toon shirts, and even when she's not with me, she follows the scores live. I thought the next logical step would be to get her into listening to your podcast. However, Chris Wolf undid all of my hard work with one single stroke last week, and now I fear I've lost my North Macedonian wife forever. Uh, Chris, what have you got to say for yourself? Just an official apology to every single North Macedonian out there. Uh, my sleep-deprived state last week meant that my geography skills were lacking. My cousin, who is uh, actually a geography teacher, messaged me and said, this is why you should study geography and not history. <laughs> and um, yes, this is... I just want yeah, an official apology to the entire North Macedonian nation and general populace around the world. Absolutely. Uh, Simon finished his email off with good work as always waffles maybe stick to reporting on western Europe with its sausages instead of branching out further east which I think is fair enough isn't it I have my own story of getting into trouble with this so you aren't alone Chris which is my very first piece for The Athletic I I watched uh, North Macedonia's debut in the uh, European Championships uh, with North Macedonian fans. However, North Macedonians like to be called just Macedonia. There's this big debate with Greece over it. And so seeing as I spent the whole day with them and made friends, I called them Macedonia throughout the article, as they wanted to. Um, I published it. First ever piece of The Athletic. Five minutes later, I have about 20 messages on my Twitter from Greek nationalists oh, complaining at me, giving me death threats. And I'm thinking, why is being a journalist here? This is the reaction you get. I've suddenly weighed into sort of a Balkan conflict. It's absolutely awful. So, Chris, you want to learn? Has your time as a journalist improved in, 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 with spending time with us, or has it just nose-dived even further? Less personal insults and questions about the health of my mother. So, yeah, it is, it is better now. Excellent. Right then, let's finish off, chaps. Thank you very much, Chris Watt, for your time. You're very welcome. I'm not going to wear my fingerless gloves inside today. I, I do actually have uh, central heating in my house, so uh, yes, I'm going to I'm going to protect myself from the cold in that sense. Excellent, uh, and thank you very much, Jacob, as well. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, look forward to the next couple of days in Paris, and I'll catch you soon. Go and get a croissant. Yeah, get yourself a croissant. Get up Montmartre and have a good look around. Lovely stuff. Excellent. Uh, right, there we go. Email us at podonthetine at theathletic.com uh, or get in touch with us at podonthetine on Twitter. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back later on this week from everybody at Pod on the Time. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.